As we come to our sermon, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's, I'm saying 1 Corinthians 11 because we're actually going to be in chapter 10 and chapter 13 and not in chapter 11. But if you go to chapter 11, at least in my Bible, you can see both texts on either side. So if you go to 11, you can kind of see before and after because that's where we will, we will be today. If you're a guest, I want to welcome you uh, to our worship gathering. Uh, today is uh, going to be somewhat unique. And what I mean by that is we're going to address a very specific topic that we have been discussing briefly within our church. And my goal today is for us to unpack some biblical truths, but it's going to be very much a kind of family-type conversation. And I want to be clear because there's a difference between having a conversation and a sermon. A sermon rests on the authority of Scripture. A conversation is my opinion. And I want to be clear that as we still... As your pastor, I speak to some things. I want to root this in God's word and allow it to be a foundation for what we do. But let me give some context. And as a guest, you may not be aware of the context. That's perfectly fine. But to give some context that we are in the process, this is the summary version. We're in the process of trying to fulfill the mission that we feel like God's given us and continue to multiply our church, and we're thinking through church planting. We've been discussing the idea of church planting. Uh, This is our vision cube, um, and it just tells a little bit about our church and some priorities. And one of our vision, we've said, is in the next five years, when this started two years ago, we said in the next five years, we will pursue leadership multiplication that will open the doors to gospel saturation to Queens and Nassau County. This was a summary way of saying we're trying to multiply because we believe that the gospel is multiplied to people as disciples are multiplied, as groups are multiplied, and churches are multiplied. Meaning we recognize that we have a mission and that that priority and that mission has compelled us to start praying through and thinking through how might we as a church multiply. And we multiply through one of the means is church planting. And so we set a goal of planting our first church within that period of time. And so as we've had a core group over the last year who has been praying about planting in Nassau County, we've been processing some ways to do that. And as the Lord has guided us and directed us, we came to a crossroads. And the simple crossroads was the community in which God was calling us to plant a church already had a church named New Hope Church. And so we had to ask the question, well, what's the best way to proceed? What's the best way for kingdom um, partnership to proceed? And we felt immediately that planting another new hope next to a new hope in the community was just going to be confusing and not necessarily helpful. And so that led us to go, well, then what do we do? And there were a few options. And one of the the team came to the option of going, hey, let's have a conversation with the church whole as a body about what are, the, what are the chances of changing our name? What would it look like if New Hope changed their name so that as we planted in Long Island, we can continue to stay under one identity, one roof, so to speak, although we are in separate locations, and by changing our name, that would allow us to do that. Now, I want to I be clear that the motivation behind that was, had nothing to do with We don't like the word, we don't like the word hope, we don't like the word new, and therefore, we just don't like it, so let's change it. 
It had everything to do with our desire to continue to be faithful to what God has called us to do. We felt like it's made clear to us. And two, as a desire to stay unified as a body, a unified in identity so that we could be one body. And recognizing that the feeling and this idea was that the body itself and being together was more important than just what we call ourselves. And so we began a conversation around that. We had a town hall two weeks ago. And then out of that town hall, I wrote today's sermon. And the goal of this sermon was not to give an argument for which decision should we make. Should we change our name? Should we not change our name? Because as you know, that, that is a, an important conversation and not an easy conversation to have. We've been New Hope Church for 25 plus years. There's, there's a lot of emotions and sentimental realities that come with our name. And so the idea of changing our name, names are important to us. Names matter to us. What I named my kids, we put a lot of thought and effort into, and I imagine you might as well. Names matter. And so the thought of changing the name came with varying emotions and varying opinions. And in that process, coming out of that, I wrote this sermon not to give an argument for which decision we should make, but better yet of how do we make this decision? It's not just should we choose option A or choose option B, which do we prefer, which do we like best, but really I wanted us to make sure we had a foundation of answering the question, how do we make the decision and allow this to guide our decision-making process? And the two truths that came from this are going to be today's sermon, but since then, um, we've kind of, as you saw for those who are on Discord, we've kind of come to a conclusion, the group that was proposing the name change, based off the conversation we had at the town hall meeting, we then went away on a retreat to pray and discuss as we were thinking through as a church plan. Now, the retreat was already planned, so we didn't like just go like, we need a retreat in the next few days to discuss this. No, the retreat had been planned for months. But in God's sovereignty, he allowed for us to be together to discuss it. And based off the principles that I'm about to give you, that actually led the group to go, you know what? I don't know that in light of the conversations, in light of the comments, that we want to push forward with a name change. And so currently on the table, the group that was proposing the name change has removed that proposal. But yet I still want to preach this sermon anyways. And I want us to discuss and I want to talk through it. Now, you notice I often give you fill in the blanks, an outline, and today you don't have that. Can I have a confessional moment? Sometimes when you don't have an outline, it's because I wasn't prepared enough to give you an outline. Honest moment. If you don't have a PowerPoint, that's usually because it was a busy week and I didn't get a chance to make one. That's not the case today. And actually, it's the opposite. I have pages and pages and pages written on what I'm going to say today. I rewrote the sermon three or four times. And you've ever had this moment, you see it in a movie sometime, where someone's up giving a speech, and all of a sudden, they just close their notes and begin to speak from their heart. That's what I hope to do today. And I'll be honest, I don't know if today's sermon is going to be 10 minutes or longer, but it's going to be longer. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, is I'm just going to begin to talk a little bit, and I'm just going to be honest, and we're going to have a, we're going to have a moment where I, as your pastor, I'm going to just speak some thoughts that I'm processing. You may agree or disagree with some of these thoughts. You may be challenged by some of these thoughts. Some of these thoughts might create an emotional reaction, but I ask that you would hear my posture and you would hear that my desire in all of these conversations, 
was not to push you in any one way or give a preference and try to challenge you to force you to make a decision, but it was to do my best to pastor you, love you, and shepherd our congregation to be faithful to the mission that God has for us. And I intend to do that today, even as I say things you might agree with or be challenged by and disagree with. But there's two truths I wanna give us today that was going to answer the question, how do we make a decision on whether we change our name or not? And in fact, since that, to some degree, that conversation's off the table, it's still a very applicable question. How do we make any decision in the church? And this is the reason why I want to continue this sermon, because even though it may not be this question we're trying to answer, there will come a question as we continue to seek to fulfill the mission that God's given us. And I want to lay out some foundational truths that give a challenge to us on how we make the decisions we make. First, is that when we, and this is going to play off the idea of name change, but we will prioritize two priorities. First, we will prioritize the name of Jesus over our name. We will prioritize the name of Jesus over our name. You noticed that I lost my clip this week. Param preached when I was out of town and he lost my clip. So when you see me keep fixing my mic, hopefully it's not as distracting to you as it is to me. Forgive me. But if I keep doing that, it's because my clip is missing. Nonetheless, we are to prioritize the name of Jesus over our name. Look at with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question to the ground of conscience. Let me just pause there. The immediate context of eating and drinking has nothing to do with our conversation. Right? But let me help you understand what is happening so that you can understand what Paul is saying in response to what is happening. What's happening is it was a common idea. We see it in the Old Testament that when you eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols, which was a lot of the meat within the culture, they would sacrifice and they wouldn't waste that meat. They would then eat that meat. But they would eat meat that had been sacrificed to the God that they worshipped. And by eating it, you were worshipping that God. You were showing your allegiance to that God. Now, this is very similar to even the Lord's Supper. We eat and drink of the Lord's Supper to state our allegiance to whom? Jesus. And so what would happen is the Christians would understand like, hey, that's just tradition. And in fact, I can eat whatever meat I want to eat. And I ain't worshipping that God because my worship isn't defined by what I eat. I can eat whatever I want. However, other people didn't realize that though. And so what would happen is they would eat and people would think they're worshiping that God. And so Paul's saying, hey, although you can do it, you should consider abstaining from doing it because it is leading people to think one thing or another. As if to say, even though you can do something, doesn't necessarily mean you should do something. And so you should prioritize how you make those decisions amongst unbelievers, the neighbor here is referred to unbelievers, meaning you should adapt your way of living, even if it's lawful, in order to represent the gospel to unbelievers. And this is where we get 
the, the famous text in beginning in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Meaning there's not necessarily a right or wrong to it. The, the question isn't, is it okay to eat or drink? It's more of like, it doesn't matter. There's not a right or wrong, but whatever you do it, what's your motivation for doing it? And in the same way, we might be able to read in relation to naming our church or renaming our church or any other question we may ask. So whether we eat or drink, whether we change our name or don't change our name, whether we buy a building or don't buy a building, whether we plant a church or don't plant a church, whether we do this or whether we do that, do all for the glory of God. Meaning that, and I want to say clearly, I don't think there was a right or wrong decision in us changing our name or not changing our name, as if one was sinful and one was not. But it is to say that what is the motivation and what is the reason why we are making the decision to begin with? The decision was not about us. It's not about what we want, but it's about what we believe is going to bring God honor and glory. Now, there can be arguments both ways. Again, I'm not advocating for one decision or the other. I'm advocating to go whatever we believe we should do, because there are people who who are going, we should change our names. And there are people saying, we shouldn't change our names. And I'm simply asking you, what are the reasons for your opinions? And is it rooted in this idea that I am making my decision, I'm making my belief, I'm making my argument based off because I believe it'll bring God the most glory. And again, you all knew because I'm the one who proposed the name change where I stood. So don't misread this to say, that that's the one that's going to give God glory and the other one doesn't. No, no, no. Again, I, I think both can give God glory. The question isn't which one gives God glory or not necessarily. Both can. It's more of a challenge to why we believed what we believed. Why did we want to do what we wanted to do? And I had admitted to you all that it took me personally a long time to be okay with the name change because personally, I didn't want to change the name for a lot of reasons. For one, because it was going to take some work of rebranding, but for two, because I knew I had to stand here and tell that to people who were not going to like it. And I was going to be the person that was going to have to face those conversations. No one else. And part of me was like, ah, I'd rather not deal with that. However, I did believe that it, that it had the potential of allowing us to create a unique, different type of unity, even though we were church planting, and I thought it'd bring God honor and glory. Again, I'm not saying if you're against the name change that you were wrong. I'm just simply trying to give an explanation to why I was for it, and even why I am for not changing it now. I'll get to that in a minute. But the point is, is that we are not united under the name of New Hope, because what you're united under has the ability to divide you. We are united under one name, and that's the name of Jesus. I had a conversation when I was in Bangladesh this week with a, with a gentleman, and he asked me, uh, they do church on Friday. So we had church on Friday morning, and then people came over for lunch. And he asked me, he, uh, is a, uh, he's wanting to train to be a pastor, and he asked this question. He said, what, what is your favorite thing about New Hope? Like, what, what's one of the things you love about your church? And here's what my answer to him. I said, we're 24 different countries represented in about 100 people. There is no dominant culture. There is no dominant political view. There is nothing that unites us based off this world. Look around. You know, I, there are people in here are Republican, Democrat, 
there are people in here who have a lot of different opinions on a lot of different things. 24 different countries represented in our group. What unites us is Jesus and Jesus only. And I said, what's so beautiful, one of my favorite things about New Hope is that we are united around the thing that matters the most. We're united around the person of Jesus. So as if to say that we want to be united under his name. And so one of the reasons why I and the group from Long Island who was originally advocating the name change say we no longer want to advocate the name change is because one of our priorities was unity. The goal of the name change was so that we could continue to seek to be unified in a, uh, in a way that allowed us to be under one name. But when we saw that the conversation was causing disunity, it changed our desire to move forward with the conversation. Because at the end of the day, what unites us is what divides us. And we are not united under new hope. We are united under Jesus. And we weren't going to allow, I, and this is, the, this is the same thing, I'm challenging those in this room who did not want the name change. And this is exactly what I challenged the group who wanted the name change. I said, guys, if the desire to change our name disunifies and divides our church, I said, then it defeats the purpose of why we were wanting to change the name to begin with. Because our goal was to build unity, not disunity. And when we saw that the conversation was causing disunity, I need you to hear me say that that was never our desire. And therefore it was causing that. I challenged them on this principle. We will not allow this name to divide us. We will only allow where we stand with Jesus to divide us. And so we will be divided and that's caused us. So I need you to hear me say that this truth applies to both groups and it helped us challenge and change our minds. Second truth, not only will we, not a, we will prioritize the name of Jesus over our name, but second, we will prioritize people over our preferences. In decision-making in this church, we will prioritize people over preferences. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Again, the context of 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12, and 13 are all together. 1 Corinthians 12 ends with talking about the unity of the body of Christ and giftings, but the immediate context aren't dealing with our issue. However, the principles being learned can, in the same way that Paul was saying, hey, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. It's not a question of right or wrong always. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is a question of right or wrong. But when both options are right, how do you choose between the two? And the question is, which one's going to bring God the most glory? Which one's going to help you minister to your neighbor more? Well, in the same way we can apply that principle, we can apply the principle in 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If, you, or if, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Let me kind of explain the text and so you can see the principle and how it might apply to us and the truth of we prioritize people over preferences. 1 Corinthians 12 is a passage where Paul talks about spiritual giftings and how God uses the spiritual giftings in the life of the church. These are people doing great things for God. These are ministries that were happening. But he says, 
in verse 13, but if I do these great ministries, but do not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let me tell you what that phrase means. For me, I read that phrase and I immediately think of my dad who played in the church orchestra my whole life growing up. He, he was in the percussion. He had the big djembe drums. I think that's what they're called, djembe. No, that's a djembe. I don't know what they're called. I clearly don't play drums. But it's those big ones you pound. And then, what is it? Timpani. Okay, so he did those. And then he had the cymbals. And so when I think of the cymbals, I think of him clanging those cymbals. And I think, man, I'm really glad he's doing that with other music so it sounds good. Otherwise, it would just be really annoying. But I want you to understand something that, why would Paul say that? Because he is referring to those same idea of cymbals. But in an atheistic secular culture, they would go into the temples and they would worship God by making a bunch of sacrifices, by dancing around, by making a lot of noise, by clanging the cymbals, because they believed if the louder they were and the more passionate they were, then that their God would hear them. That if I'm really loud, then God will hear me in heaven. If I'm really loud and really passionate, he'll see that I care for him and then he'll love me. You see how it was a workspace type idea. But if I do something to, enough to show God I love him, then he will love me back. Well, Paul's, we know from the beauty of Jesus is that our love is not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon Jesus' love for us. That God loves us despite us in his grace and mercy. And that's a beautiful thing. But the idea here in 1 Corinthians, he says, no matter how powerful your ministry is, if you don't love people, it's worthless before God. He's speaking to the power of love. We usually read 1 Corinthians 13 in weddings, but that's not actually at all the context of the text. He's referring to how the unity within the body, and he's saying that it doesn't matter how good your ministries are. It doesn't matter how big your building is. It doesn't matter what you do. If, you're, if your ministry is great, but you don't actually love people, you're missing the whole point of ministry because ministry is not the end of itself. It's the means of serving and loving people. And so for us, as we think about any decision within the church... We have preferences. And honestly, what we do with a name is, can, can fall into the preference category depending on why we feel why we feel about a name. And our desire initially, again, to change the name was because we didn't want to be separated from the people of Queens. The Long Island group said, you know what? We've been in this church 10 plus years. We don't want to separate from the people. And so instead, can we change our name so we can still be one people together? But again, when the conversation was creating a divide, we said we won't allow our preference to divide. We will choose the people and the unity, and we will find another way to keep that unity. Who cares what we call ourselves? And I'm not saying that our opinion on a name does or doesn't matter, because it does matter. But what I'm saying, it doesn't matter as much as the people who are under that name. Meaning, we already said we're under the name of Jesus, but practically, as New Hope, the people of New Hope are more important than the name of New Hope or whatever we choose to call ourselves. And so how do we make decisions? First, we're always going to prioritize God's glory and his mission. And then we're always going to prioritize people over preferences. Now, that's all that I had perfectly organized. Now, can I just share my heart for a little bit? I want to be honest, and, and I want us to help think through this, because there's a few things. I want to tell you what I, what I observed after our town hall meeting. I observed a few things that I want to, I want to just have a loving conversation about. Some are going to um, kind of say, I was grateful I saw this, and some are going to be like, I was concerned I saw this. 
One of the things I saw and I was challenged with is we've been talking about, you know, the vision. We're going to, in the next five years, we'll pursue leadership multiplication to open doors for gospel saturation in Queens and Nassau County. We've talked about how we're going to, as one of our values, reproduce leaders. And we're going to talk about restorative engagement. And we're talking about some of these varying things. We talked about our goals are to uh, plan a new church. And in all of that, I was concerned that we allowed potentially some of the conversation was the name and what we call ourselves to potentially get in the way of some of those things. Meaning I was aware that I've, although we've been talking about some of these things, now as we actually tried to make a decision, again, not right or wrong, but made a decision that we at the time felt would help posture us to fulfill these things that we, I saw and noticed that there was a little more hesitancy and not recognizing what we were trying to do or excuse me, why we were trying to do it. You understood what we were trying to do, but why we were trying to do it. And, and here's, here's what I want to say as your pastor to that. I, I, I want to be clear. As long as I'm your pastor, I will always lead us to make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom of God. Uh, we make statements like we want to find success by not how much we have, but how much we give away. That's really nice to say, but that's really difficult to do. And I want you to hear me say that I will never necessarily lead us to choose our preferences first. Because I promise you, it was not my preference to put, insert myself into a conversation that there was at best disagreement and at worst hostility. It's not, it not my preference. And, and I say this in a loving way to go, in case there was any confusion, I will love you. And I hope if, if there's anybody in here who goes, I don't know that my pastor loves me. Oh, please, let's have a conversation. Please. Because I love us all to death. But in that love, I will always challenge us to fulfill the mission that God has us to do. Therefore, I will never stop asking you to make sacrifices for the sake of the mission. When we make statements like we're not pursuing our church, we're pursuing the kingdom of God. And sometimes pursuing the kingdom of God will cause us to actually make decisions that hurt our church. That's not just a fancy thing I read in a book. I really mean that. Because there are a lot of people in this city, reminded again in Bangladesh and around the world, who have never heard the name of Jesus. And I, I'll say this raw. This is, this is, this is unfiltered. I'm, my family all lives in Memphis, Tennessee. And as much as I love you, I am not here in New York away from my family for status quo. Meaning I will care for us and I will do my best to lead us to be a healthy church, but I will always push us to continue to strive towards the mission of God. And I will care for you in that journey and I will counsel you and I will walk with you and I will weep with you in life circumstances. I will shepherd you. And part of me being your pastor means that I faithfully listen to all of your opinions. It's my job to be a good pastor, to listen to all of your opinions at the town hall and to recognize that every opinion matters. But it's also my job as your pastor to tell you that all opinions are equal. And when at times when our opinions are not based at times on maybe good reasoning, then it, I'm going to lovingly challenge you, which is kind of what I'm somewhat attempting to do today. 
But I recognize that all decisions, especially big changes in the church, are emotional. And that's okay. But I want to continue to push us, and I will continue to push us. Let me give an example of how I recognize some things that are in what was going on in my heart as I processed for months the idea of making a change like this. Uh, Crosscase, the church I was at in Mississippi, many of you know David Jepp. Um, in the renovation process that the church did over a span of a decade plus, one of the first things they did was they took out the pews out of the church. They took out, took out the pews to put in chairs. It was a growing church, and similar to this one, they had no aisle except for the one in the center, but it sat 1,500 people. So imagine fi- the, the, there was a lot of chairs, and there was not a lot of room to navigate in and through. The point is they packed the place out because the church was growing, and they had pews. Believe it or not, you can sit less people in pews. You would think you could sit more people in pews because they don't have armrests. But what happens is how many of you have books sitting next to you right now? Yeah, that's what happens. People get in pews and they take up two seats instead of one. But with chairs, you have a defined space. So the leadership said, you know what? We're growing and we need to fit more people in here. So we need to take out the pews and put in the chairs. Well, some people didn't like that. You could give a theological argument, a kingdom argument. We're growing. It's just chairs. But there was this one particular gentleman who continued to fight the decision over and over and over again. And the pastor, David Jett, sat him down, invited him into his office, one-on-one conversation. He said, hey, I don't, help me understand. Why are you so against this decision? And as he began the arguments, well, I just think this or I just think that. And as the pastor, as David Jett began to talk to him, he finally said this statement. He said, I was sitting in that seat with my wife when I gave my life to Christ 20 years ago. His wife had since passed away. And he said, every Sunday I sit there and it reminds me of the journey that God did in our hearts and our lives. You notice it had nothing to do with the pew itself. It had everything to do with what God had done in his life and history. And sometimes when making changes to move forward, that's difficult. So I need you to know that I'm aware of that. And I actually gave that illustration to leadership before we ever brought this idea to the church because I said, we're going to have some of those reactions. And that is perfectly fine. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we still shouldn't take out the pews and put in chairs because we can reach more people if we do. Get the idea? And again, I'm not advocating we change our name. I'm actually advocating that we don't. Based off the conversation, for a number of reasons, if nothing else, I want you to hear me say, I meant it when I said we wanted to have a conversation. We meant it when we said we wanted to have a conversation. And, and by definition, a conversation means two people are talking. And we hadn't had a chance to hear what you had to say. And as we heard what people had to say, we realized, yeah. And in fact, Will Alexander's in here, putting him on the spot. He actually said an idea that in the moment that as we went and walked away with and talked about more, we realized, actually, I think his idea could work. That there's a way that we think we can create a network umbrella in which we can stay united without having to change the name. And I want to give credit to say that was actually an idea we hadn't thought of. In the moment, I misunderstood what he was saying, but the more I went back and processed, I realized, hey, that idea could actually work. And as we talked through that idea and had the conversation, we realized that we could accomplish what we wanted to accomplish without continuing to push to create division. And so that actually has led me to go, I think that through that conversation, we came to a potentially better conclusion that we hadn't considered. A lot of the ideas we had already considered and we still got processing to do. But the point is, what I'm trying to hope you hear me say, whether we change our name or not, 
whether we continue this conversation or not, I need you to hear me say that we'll have another one of these moments. It may not be a name change. It might be whether we buy the building or not, because many of you know this church has offered us to buy this building. We got a lot of decisions we're going to make in the future. And I want this to be a a ground of growing for us. And I want you to hear me say that I will always listen to what you have to say. Always. Because I honestly believe, and I gave credit to Will here as an example. Because of that conversation, we actually, I think, came to a better solution. So I will listen to what you have to say, not because I'm supposed to. Because I genuinely value what we all have to say as a congregation. But also there will be moments where I will push back in a very loving way on why we might feel the way we feel. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good our ministries are, it doesn't matter what our name is, if there is not a love for one another, then it's all for nothing. I want you to hear me say this too, is that I love you. And there's a temptation, because we're human, and this is coming from years of experience as a pastor, not only pastoring others, but dealing with myself is that there's a tendency that when we're emotional about an idea to turn our disagreement about an idea into a disagreement about a person. It goes often like this. In the church, it goes like this a lot, actually. We might be in a room, and because we don't want to offend somebody and we don't like their idea, we won't say anything. But we really don't like their idea. Then we leave the room, and then we go and talk about their idea. And before long, it turns into that's a bad idea to Jonathan's stupid or someone else's stupid. No one actually said that this week. No one even saying came close to that. So I'm not at all accusing that. But my point is trying to say that if we're not careful, we can allow emotions to turn in a disagreement over an idea into disagreement over people. And I didn't see a lot of that this week, but I want to just give a challenge to us as we continue to process that if you're ever thinking in your mind, Jonathan is not for us, please just trust me that I am. That doesn't always make me right. It doesn't. And I'll admit that based off the information we had, we, gave an, we proposed a name change. And based off conversation, we saw good evidence and good reasons to no longer propose a name change. I'll admit that my original idea was wrong. At least I've changed my opinion. So I'm not at all saying I'm right, but I am saying I want you to hear my motivations and that it is out of love for you and care for you and as a desire to fulfill my call to lead this church because I believe this church is, I, I, I believe this church is uniquely positioned and gifted to impact this city in a way that many churches aren't. I, I believe that this church, based off the leadership in this church, based off our positioning and longevity in this community and in this city, that we have the ability to bring impact into the city most churches can, can't do. And I simply just will always lead us to live up to our potential. That's all. And so church family, as I begin to wrap up my thoughts, because this is just unfiltered conversation with Jonathan. Here's my goal for today's conversation. It's not at all to convince you to change our name or not. We're using that as an example. But it is to say, this will be a church as long as I have the privilege of being your pastor, where I will always love you. I will always listen to you. And part of my love for you is I will meet you where you are and care for you where you are. But I will always push us to be faithful. And at times, I'll be wrong, and I'll admit that. But at times, you'll be wrong as well. But the point isn't right or wrong. The point is, we'll always be a family who loves and creates unity in all that we do. 
And when we disagree, we disagree. But I appreciate us being able to disagree and still worship together. I said there'd be some things that I would challenge you and there'd be some things that I would be encouraged by. And despite the honest conversation, because we had some honest conversations in that town hall meeting and subsequently, one of the things I've been encouraged by is that there's been a genuine still love and care for people we disagree with. I have been encouraged by that. I never felt attacked by any person and that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that because we trust one another and love one another, we can disagree in a healthy way because I think that's something that the world has no idea how to do. And I've been encouraged by that in this church. And so as your pastor, I need you to hear me say that. I need you to hear me say, we can always disagree, but please don't like, let's talk it out at least. But I've been grateful to see the unity. And I was afraid for a second that might be challenged. And so my decision to challenge us to not change our name is not because of fickle leadership. It's because of me trying to do my best to foster and care for us in a difficult decision. So at the end of the day, whether we change our name or not, here's what I know. We're going to plant a church and the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. That we're going to continue to be faithful and trust to do what God has called us to do in this city. We're going to continue to be a family that loves and cares for one another no matter what we call ourselves. No matter what, we are family. I love you. I care for you. I want to be a part of a group that cares for others the way you do. I want to be a part of a group that makes much of Jesus' name. And I want to be a part of a group that we can have honest conversations and still be unified. I want to be a part of a group that I can admit when I'm wrong, that I don't, I don't have to play the pastor that's always right. I'm not. But I need you to always know that even when I'm wrong, I'm doing my best to be faithful to what Jesus has for us and to care for you the best that I can. And so thank you for grace as I try to lead in difficult decisions. Thank you for your mercy. And I pray that generations from now, the Lord allows us to see it. And if the Lord tarries long enough, that we would see so many people come to know Christ because of our faithfulness of a small little group right here. Because we're small in a big city. But I have so much belief in this church. So it's an honor to pastor you. That gives some explanation to why I now advocate we don't change our name. Or at least we put the conversation on pause as we work out some other ideas. No matter what we do though, we will continue to be one church unified for the kingdom and glory of God. Can we say amen to that? Amen, let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. God, we love you so much. Father, I am thankful for a few things, even now as I just am honestly just processing out loud some things. I'm grateful for your grace and mercy. I'm grateful that even in our sin and our mistakes, you love us no matter what. So grateful for that. Grateful for your mercy. I'm grateful for the grace and salvation that you've given us. And I pray if there's anybody in here who does not know you, that, Lord Jesus, they would see that you are King and Lord and that they would surrender their life to you. But, Father, another thing I'm grateful for, I'm so grateful for this church. So grateful for this church. I don't just say this because I'm supposed to. You know my heart, Lord. I really believe I have the privilege of pastoring the best church with the best people. I have an incredible job. And I love all of it. 
Easy conversations, tough conversations. I love it all because I love these people. So Jesus, I pray blessings over us. Lord, as we try to figure this out, we're just trying to be faithful to you. We're trying to love our neighbor well, and we're trying to continue to preach the gospel faithfully. And we're gonna have a lot of ideas of the best way to do that, but we're trusting your guidance. Change your name, don't change your name, buy a building, don't buy a building, do this, don't do this. We're just, we just wanna walk faithfully with you. And sometimes we're gonna make wrong turns. But Spirit of God, would you continue to lead us and guide us? No matter what. Would you just continue to lead and guide us? Would you use us to bring people to your name so that people can see how your goodness is and your mercy and so that people can see that you have saved and redeemed them if they would call upon your name? God, we love you so very much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Pour out blessings. There's some in here tonight, Lord Jesus, that I know have so much more bigger problems going on than the conversation of changing a name or not. And so, Lord Jesus, would you meet them this week? Would you help provide for their financial needs, their physical needs? We again pray for our sister Nayari and those sweet baby girls. Father, we look forward to holding and celebrating the life that they are. Would you walk faithfully with, with Nayari and those girls? Would you allow her husband, Jonathan, to be a word of encouragement and a, just a faithful presence to her? Father, we pray for the church in Pakistan. Would you protect them? And we're grateful that you allow us to gather safely and securely. We don't take that for granted. We thank you. God, you've given us many blessings. And we thank you for it. Jesus, would you continue to meet the needs of this congregation? Father, we pray for our sister Sophia. Would you continue to heal her body? Would you awaken her in a special and unique way? God, would you heal her body? Would you heal our hearts even now as I'm praying for her? I'm still seeing there's, there's awesome healing in my heart. There's forgiveness needed in my heart. Would you help us there? God, we thank you. We worship you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is www.newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have 4 p.m. worship gatherings on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.